So uh, welcome everyone. Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host. Uh, it is Thursday, July 14th. Um, and we're going to be talking today about the State Senate District 59. That's uh, New York State uh, State Senate District, uh, where Kristen Gonzalez, DSA bad candidate, is going up against uh, a challenger, Nomiki Konst, a uh, kind of well-known podcaster, um, and, uh, and, and also activist and, and, and Democratic Party advocate. I'm not trying to try to dismiss that stuff, but um, uh, it, this has been kind of a contentious race. Uh, we had uh, Aaron, who's, who's on with us now. We had Aaron come on last month with Nomiki's uh, comms director, Walker Brett. Discussion that went for about an hour. We had a great, good debate. Now, um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the campaign. Just uh, before uh, we get into that, I do just want to address something from uh, the last show earlier in the week where we talked about the movement for a People's Party and there were some allegations made against the head, Nick Brana. Um, so I just want anyone to know if, you know, if you're listening to this and you had listened to that one and you had any questions about that, I did reach out to the People's Party and I reached out to Brana himself for comment, um, they just ignored it and have gone with their normal kind of smear campaign and, and haven't really addressed any of the allegations. So uh, if you're looking for an update on that, you can check out my Substack. That's E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S.substack.com. Have a little update on that. Um, anyway, getting back to uh, the race here. So this contest has been going uh, for, for a few months. Uh, you know, Kristen Gonzalez has been in it for a while. Uh, Kant's jumped in, I think, in late May, maybe early June. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a little contentious. People, uh, I think mostly Gonzalez's supporters have accused Kant of splitting the left. Uh, Kant has kind of pushed back on that um, and, and said that anyone can run, which is, of course, technically true. That's, that's not really the accusation that's being made here, but that is somewhat immaterial uh, to the point here. Um, but I want to have Aaron on. You know, there, there, there's been some some controversy recently uh, within the race, but, but before we get to that, and we will get to it, so if, if, if you're listening, you're, you're, you're hoping for us to address some of the accusations that have been made recently, we're definitely going to do that. But before we do that, I do want to just have Aaron kind of give us a state of play of the race from the Gonzalez campaign's point of view, uh, kind of give us maybe, maybe an idea, if you can, of some filing numbers. I don't know if you guys have that stuff yet. And just kind of generally, like where you guys see uh, where you're at, and how you know working with DSA and working uh, in the campaign is uh, is working out for you with this campaign. So, Aaron, thanks. Can you can you just also kind of introduce yourself to people so that they know who you are? Sure. Yeah, I moved a little bit. Uh, how's my audio now? Great. Perfect. Just a little birds awesome. in the background. That's awesome. Oh, cool. That, that's some great ambiance. <laughs> so my name is Aaron. Uh, I am a, I'm from Queens, New York, South Richmond Hill. Uh, I am a member of Queens DSA. Uh, I am our uh, co-chair of the electoral working group here. Um, and I am a volunteer on the Kristen Gonzalez campaign for state Senate in District 59, uh, which covers Astoria, Greenpoint, Williamsburg, Stytown, and Long Island City, other parts of Manhattan. I'm actually in Williamsburg right now in this lovely Domino Park. Um, so I'm kind of hanging out on the side right now. Um, but yeah, so talking about this race a little bit, uh, Kristen Gonzalez, you know, it, it's been a lot of 
mess with the redistricting, um, having it, having to uh, cope with a new set of voters, new uh, new neighborhoods. Um, uh, you know, we had to we added Astoria, Williamsburg, and all of it on this huge chunk of Manhattan. Um, we have really hit the ground running and really built up a really big infrastructure very quickly. Um, we have knocked, I believe, almost or more than 30,000 doors total on this campaign now. Um, like a thousand in the last few weeks. Every week we're hitting new goals and getting new huge numbers. Um, just last week we had a huge canvas in Lower Manhattan with the Lower Manhattan DSA, uh, where we knocked on several thousand doors um, in Gramercy. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of good reactors in the doors. Uh, Astoria, Greenpoint, Williamsburg, even in Stytown, there's a lot of people who are excited about Kristen, excited about her background, excited about the movement behind her and the coalition behind her. Um, uh, and we feel really good. We feel really good right, right now. Um, we have gotten a bunch of new endorsements in the last few weeks. Um, we now have a total of 16 elected officials who are supporting us uh, more than the rest of uh, our opponents combined. Uh, we just got a bunch of endorsements from uh, Comptroller uh, Brad Lander, who is the first citywide elected to weigh in. Um, we got almost every elected official in the Brooklyn part of our district. So Congresswoman Nydia Velasquez, uh, Brooklyn Borough President Antonio Reynoso, um, Councilmember Chio Say, Councilmember Lincoln, Les Lincoln Ressler, Jen Gutierrez, Alexa Aviles, uh, they have all endorsed. So we have this really big Brooklyn coalition right now. Um, and in Queens as well, of course, we still have Tiffany Zaran, AOC, um, and we're having a lot of great uh, luck on the, on the doors out there. And the Manhattan portion, you know, it's a very new part to the district. A lot of folks there, Stytown, Gramercy, Kipps Bay, Murray Hill, they're very used to having their own Manhattan electeds. So it's, it's taken them some time to get used to being part of this new tri-borough district. Um, but once we talk to them, we explain the issues. I think a lot of voters right now in this, in this climate, especially the climate where it seems like, you know, it seems very uh, desperate times, uh, abortion rights being rolled back, gun control being rolled back, um, uh, Supreme Court unchecked, uh, President Biden and Democrats in Congress not really doing much to stop any of it. There's a lot of um, a lot of people who are tired of politics and like really exhausted by the process. Um, so it's taking work to like talk to people about explain why Kristen is different and why we're running as a movement coalition campaign uh, to really address their material needs and really address uh, issues of rising climate crisis, what we can do in New York State Legislature, what we can do uh, to lower people's rents, what we can do to provide people with good quality, free health care. Um, and, you know, I think yeah, it local, uh, yeah, I was going to say local politics is, is, is becoming so important. I did, I did want to ask you just about um, if you could kind of Explain to us a little bit the, how this redistricting uh, has has played out and, and how it kind of uh, shook up the race a little bit. You know, we did discuss this a little bit the last time you were on, but um, that was kind of part of a back and forth. I was kind of hoping maybe if, if, if you have a little bit of time now, you could kind of explain, like, what happened with the redistricting, A, and then B, like how that affected the campaign, how that affected how uh, Kristen was running and, and, and the kind of, I mean, because it sounds to me like you guys kind of pivoted pretty quickly and you were able to uh, adapt to it. But, it does, you know, but like you're saying, like, you know, there are people within the district who are used to different representation. Um, like what, you know, what are the, how, how did that kind of play out? And then what are the challenges uh, beyond what you've what you've talked about already, what, like what are the challenges as far as that goes? 
Yeah, great questions all around. I think definitely you're right. It was a very quick pivot we had to make to make sure that we didn't lose any any um, any momentum. Um, and I think the first step is just letting folks know that like even if they're losing representatives who they like, uh, their 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 people have endorsed us. So for instance, Julia Salazar. Uh, Mike Gianaris and Queen of Brooklyn and Queens, respectively. Um, a lot of folks are sad to hear they're losing them as their senators, but they're also happy to hear that most of them have endorsed Kristen for the seat. And we've had a lot of positive reactions from people when we tell them that. Um, I think a, a lot, the biggest challenge is just, just adapting to the new, uh, not new turf. In some ways, you know, Astoria is ground zero for Queens DSA. Um, we've, we've won a congressional race there, city council race, assembly race. Um, we have a lot of infrastructure in Astoria right now, probably the most, I would say probably the most of any DSA chapter of the country in Astoria. Um, so that was a very easy pivot, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and if Kristen wins, it, that Astoria will be the first place in the country to have a DSA representation in both Congress, both houses of the legislature and city council, which is like really remarkable. And I'm really excited for Astoria to make history with that uh, if Kristen wins. Um, so Astoria was a pretty easy pivot. Uh, Williamsburg, adding that in, again, it's mostly turf that was, has been pretty easy to navigate. It's, it's a really beautiful area as well. Domino Park, where I am right now in District 59, is really gorgeous. Um, a lot of folks were, were very excited about our campaign and our uh, and what we're doing. Uh, the Manhattan side is a little, little you know, a little more difficult to, to do because uh, a lot of the folks there, again, they're used to their old represent representatives. Um, I think, I think there's a different culture on the Manhattan side and the Brooklyn or Queens side, where a lot of Brooklyn Queens folks have been moving in recent years. Um, uh, and the Manhattan side is a lot of more long-term residents, um, a lot of older folks. Um, and I think in that, in that area, we've just had to uh, get hyper-local, right? And really talk about the really hyper-local issues. Like there was a very recent debate um, uh, in the, on the Manhattan side, and I believe Kristen and one other candidate uh, who's from Manhattan were the only candidates to talk about the local side town issues, uh, side town being the, the housing development on the other side of the river. Um, and they were the only candidates to talk about a lot of the, the rent issues that the people were having there, uh, to talk about those really hyper-local things. Um, and I think even on the Queen side, there are a lot of hyper-local things that we can focus on. For instance, this week we have news that um, uh, the Ravenswood uh, plant, which is a natural gas plant that has plagued uh, nature developments, public housing developments in Queens for the last, you know, for decades, they're finally going to start the process of closing it and turning it into renewable energy. Um, and the only way we can make sure that that promise is followed through on and that the nature developments of that area can stop having to suffer from natural gas and what's been called asthma alley because of all the pollution, the only way we make sure that happens is by passing the Build Public Renewables Act. Um, in the legislature, which is really going to help us get to 100% renewable energy by 2030. So if we're able to pass that in the next session, uh, uh, we need Kristen to help get that done and help push that through and get it through both houses and signed by the governor. Uh, and the only way we can get that passed is by electing Kristen. She's the only candidate in this race making climate a priority and the only candidate in this race talking about full public renewables and the need to close down these fossil fuel plants. Got it. And, you know, I, I, I did see a couple of people... Um jumping into the call queue we are going to take calls in a little bit we're, we're, we're going to talk for a little bit before so if you want to get in the queue now you can uh but you certainly don't have to but if you do just know that we, uh, we will be chatting for a little bit first so uh yeah so you know aaron uh again you know last time we talked um we did discuss this this coalition um the the kind of like the kind of dsa uh state legislature 
caucus, as it were, that uh, that, that Kristen, if she won, would, would be hoping to work with uh, to kind of affect change that way and to and to push uh, the, this progressive agenda. Who else is in that coalition? And um, what, I mean, what what are they what are they hoping to do? Like push bills to to, to kind of uh, control the bills through the amendments to to create a, f- a voting block? Uh, is this going to be like um, a, you know j- just a kind of national give it a national perspective? But is this going to be something like the Progressive Caucus and the Democrats, or something more kind of more uh, hard line like the Freedom Caucus for the GOP. I mean, what, what, what kind of approach are they thinking about taking and where does Kristen fit into that? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, that's part of DSA's broader strategy in New York City. Uh, you know, we are running, it's called DSA for the many. It's our slate of socialists in office. And we already have six in the state legislatures. We have four in the state assembly, two, uh, two in the state Senate. Um, we have, of course, uh, two in Congress uh, and two in the city council um, here in New York City. And uh, those folks form our socialist and office caucuses. Uh, and our goal is to add to those caucuses. Um, and this year, uh, we, had the, we have the opportunity to do that in the state legislature. Um, we ran just now in the first primary because of redistricting. We have two primaries now, one for state assembly, one for Congress and state Senate. It's very stupid. Um, but in the June election, uh, we ran uh, five assembly, five new assembly candidates and our four current ones. Um, and we won uh, five out of those races. So all four of our incumbents won re-election by really large margins, really staggering margins. Uh, they were re-elected by in these districts, um, which was great to see. Um, and we also had a huge success in the Hudson Valley where Sarahana Shrestha um, who will be the third South Asian ever in the state assembly and the first from outside New York City. Um, she was elected in a rural district upstate, um, Kingston, Red Hook, uh, New Paltz, uh, and is going to be um, the first socialist from upstate in the state assembly, which is really, really exciting. Um, so we've grown our caucus in the assembly. And now on August 23rd, a chance to grow our caucus in the state Senate as well. Um, so if we have uh, five people in the state assembly, we want to get uh, four people in the state Senate. So both Kristen Gonzalez to join Julia Salazar and Jabari Brisport of Brooklyn. Uh, we also want to elect David Alexis, who's running against uh, the Joe Manchin, the state of the state Senate, Kevin Parker, running against him in, um, in Flatbush. Uh, so that's kind of the coalition uh, that we're trying to build and build that block of people in the legislature who are going to be able to vote in lockstep and get stuff done in lockstep. So if there's an issue that, that they want to push, all of them are going to be pushing on the same issue together. And that is so much greater and more powerful than any one legislator can do, which is what I've been trying to emphasize. Like we've tried to emphasize throughout the campaign that it's, it's great to have one person in office who's going to talk about these issues and push for things on their own. But it's 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 almost impossible to get stuff done without working with other people and going in there right away in your first term. Usually the first term is a lot of settling in to the chamber and learning the norms of, of, the, of the chamber and how to how you best are going to be able to plug in and work with these people. Uh, when you're going in and you already have half a dozen people in office who already know how the system works, that is a huge boon to you. And it's a huge boon to your district where you're able to go into office and say, I have half a dozen people who are telling me how this chamber works and how, uh, how we're going to get things done for my constituents. So I think having that co- coalition going into office, Kristen is running for the seat, is huge because having that coalition means that when she is elected and she is an ex-state senator for District 59, she's been able to, to bring stuff home for people um, to, with a much greater efficiency and more effectively because she has the coalition. 
Um, I think right now in this political climate, people just want to see Democrats do stuff. They just want to see stuff getting done. And they don't want to hear about little piecemeal things on the side. They don't want to hear about bipartisanship. They just want to hear that Democrats are bringing things home and having material change for people. Um, that means lowering rents, uh, fighting climate change, uh, lower health care costs, free health care. And those are all the things that Kristen is fighting for, uh, many, uh, many, many other things. Um, and because she has that coalition, because we have this NYC and DSA block, uh, we're really hoping that come next year, uh, we will have, I'm trying to do the math in my head as I said as I'm speaking, I believe it would be nine uh, socialists in Albany, to be more than ever before. We would have uh, five in the assembly, four in the state senate. That's the goal we're trying to do this year. Gotcha. And, um, you know, I, I know that uh, the filings aren't going to be coming out, I think, until next Tuesday. But do you have any numbers that you're that, that, that you're able to share now or or, uh, or or are you still waiting for those? Yeah, still out? waiting for it to be posted. But I will say that we on our filing deadline uh, this Monday, we had our best day of the campaign. We raised fifteen thousand dollars in a single day, which is huge for a state Senate race. Uh, over fifteen thousand uh, dollars. David Alexis and Flatbush did, did the same exact thing. Uh, we had over, I believe it was like over 300 individual donors, which is really amazing to see, and an average contribution of just $45, um, which is really remarkable. And so far, only one of our opponents' filings is in, and their average contribution, I believe, is like $250. Um, so a very big difference, right? You look at just like the basic thing, like average contribution, like where is your money coming from? Is it coming from uh, everyday people with bringing in small contributions? You know, the Bernie average $27 is our number one number we like to use. Um, or is it like a lot of big donors and people who are just very wealthy giving a lot of money and that's it? Um, I think when you're looking for a grassroots campaign, you want that small don- donor number. You want, you want a lot of donors. You want a small, a small donor amount. And Kristen's going to have that uh, when she files in the next couple of days. Gotcha. Gotcha. So let's talk about the, uh, the broader race a little bit um, before, obviously, we get to kind of the uh, the – the more dramatic like allegations and stuff, but um, like it's it, so. This is uh, an open seat, uh, I believe, right? And so it's uh, Kristen is running against um, it one of one of the Crowleys. Can you explain who that is and why? Uh, like, l- l- what part of the state Democratic Party uh, she represents? I think that I think that just a little bit of context for anybody who is listening outside of New York and is not familiar with New York politics or politics in a state that is just like as deep blue as New York is that is, especially in a place like New York city, um, you end up having people running under the democratic name who are maybe more conservative than the party itself, uh, might be nationally and wouldn't really, you wouldn't really think would maybe fit, uh, with your perception of the way that the party is, but uh, yeah, in in reality, uh, people will run for the party that is going to put them in power, and so I think that this is uh, I don't know if it's completely an example of that, but it's certainly an example of you know the kind of push and pull between the party in New York State, where you do have this primary, which is really like the general election, right? Because the GOP isn't going to win this seat. So you do have like these different parts of the party kind of competing against each other uh, in a way that is really like like the ideology is is going up against one another. So can you kind of explain the more conservative candidate here and and what I think you I think you referred to it as as the danger last time of 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 electing uh, Crowley. Can you can you kind of explain like like that dynamic and, and how that's playing into the race and where Crowley was before? Right. Because this district is new. So kind of how does that all work, too? 
Yeah, sure. You know, Elizabeth Crowley is Joe Crowley's cousin. Uh, she's the one. Um, Joe Crowley is the one that AOC beat in 2018 in that primary. Um, and Elizabeth Crowley is a former city council member from Glendale. Um, she has been running for office since about the time I was born, maybe before I was born. I'm not, I'm not, not quite sure, but for, for quite a long time. Um, and uh, she wants a new seat. She wants a new, new district to run in um, as a historically moderate candidate. Um, and after redistricting, even though she lives in Glendale, she decided to run in this new seat, um, which she has no connection to, does not live in, um, and is an entirely different part of, of, of the city. Um, so, you know, a little bit of a political opportunity there. Where you see an open seat and you want to go for that. Um, and she's definitely, you know, I think she, knowing how progressive and blue this district is, like, this is probably, I would say, the most progressive district in America, like, no exaggeration. Uh, Cynthia Nixon won, uh, won this in 2018 against Cuomo with 55%, which is a massive margin. Uh, Anna Maria Archia just won this district. Um, it's really, truly one of, the, one of, like, the bastions of progressivism in the United States. Um, I think uh, to have any, anything less than a socialist representing it would be would be absurd, would be really obscene. Um, and Elizabeth Crowley has been a moderate her entire life, you know, uh, and uh, and has um, a downright conservative in many ways on each like policing and jails. Um, definitely that kind of like tough on crime candidate. Um, I, I, but, and so I, I think I, I think there is uh, that concern that she that she could be elected. And I think the the, the real issue, uh, thing we want to do here is not as much uh, uh, tear down other candidates, really uplift Kristen as the right fit for the district and the right candidate to represent the people of this district um, and, and you know, kind of show voters that Crowley is not in touch with the, with the working voters and the progressive voters in District 59. Um, I think that Crowley, you know, she's backed by the Queens Democratic County machine. Um, they're giving her a lot of money. Uh, she's probably gonna file with a few hundred thousand dollars uh, we'll see where that money comes from. I have a feeling it's not going to be from the most savory of places, but we're going to see. Um, but, you know, she is uh, she uh, is working with a lot of unsavory folks already. For instance, uh, GSG is the same consulting firm that tried to union bust the Amazon Staten Island union. Uh, she has hired them and is working with union busters very closely. Um, and, of course, uh, there's recently an article uh, that, that you know, about how she forged campaign signatures to get on the ballot. Uh, which is, you know, a typical machine tactic of just forging uh, people's names on your petitions instead of actually going out and talking to people. Um, so this is the kind of stuff we're up against. And I think anybody who, I think the, the real progressives in this race and the people who really understand the threat of electing somebody like Crowley understands that we need to work together like Kristen and really push our progressive movement forward. I'm a little, I'm a little un- unclear on this, though. Like, how is she still in the race if she forged signatures like wouldn't that be enough to to take her off the ballot like how how is she just not yeah doing like it doesn't make sense like i think i think that's one thing that has been a little confusing because i remember when this came out right like this like this news came out but then she was still on the ballot and so it was kind of like so was that not real or 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 like what's going on with 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 that or was there just not enough forgery but then even then if it was forgery then why is she on the ballot? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's not, I think you're right. It's just not enough forgery, right? It, uh, we found, it, what was found out was the most obvious forgery done on several pages, but obviously there could have been 
uh, some less obvious forgery that we, unfortunately, the only way to find out if signature is forged is to literally ask the voter if, if, if they did that. And there are, you know, there are several thousand voters that were filed in, our, in, in those petitions because uh, the machine filed a lot of signatures. So it's hard to go through all of them and confirm every single signature. So we, we were able to find the most, the, uh, we were able to find the most obvious sample of this. Uh, the same thing happened with Steve Irwin against Summer Lee in Pennsylvania. Um, he did a very similar thing happened with him where he also uh, was found to have, have four signatures, um, but it wasn't enough to get him off the ballot, just enough, you know. But I think even if it doesn't get the person off the ballot and it's not enough to get them off the ballot, it's still worth voters knowing how they did get on the ballot and the kind of machine tactics they're using. Yeah, yeah, it's just that, that that's just that's just wild that like you, you, you can do a little bit of forgery uh, just, you know. As long as it's not too much, then you can just say on yep. the ballot. Yeah, seems... it's unfortunate. Other problem is if you want to get someone off the ballot, you have to hire an election lawyer. It's going to cost like probably around ten thousand um, dollars, and that's something that a lot of campaigns just don't have. Man, New York politics. Um, okay, well, uh, so so that kind of brings us to uh, your other kind of main. Well, I guess there's Francois uh, Olivas. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I, I'm. I'm I've, she's been kind of quiet, at least as far as like outside of New York. Um, I, but, but I, I do think that we should, should mention her, um, you know, like, like another, um, uh, progressive, uh, running for, for the seat. And then there is of course, Nomiki Kant, um, who recently made some pretty explosive allegations. But before we go to that, I did want to just talk about the title of this show, which is Welcome to Astoria. And that's a reference to a comment uh, that I believe that Const made to Gonzalez that Gonzalez felt uh, was condescending or maybe xenophobic. Um, can you kind of explain what happened there and, and what the background is? Because I, I never really got like a full explanation. I feel like for a lot of us who aren't in New York um, – Maybe maybe we didn't get the full story. So uh, could you kind of explain what that was and 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 why that why that might have been uh, seen as so offensive? Sure, of course. I think this is like a very specific thing to Western Queens that has been developing the last few years. You know, Western Queens has become far more diverse in the last few years. A lot of immigrants moving in uh, to like Jackson Heights, Long Island City, uh, so it's become a much more diverse place. And in that time, there's been tension between some of the more conservative uh, folks who've been there for many years, the kind of folks, you know, who, who supported Joe Crowley and other conservative politicians uh, versus the new folks coming in, uh, supporting folks like AOC and other progressive people uh, elected. Um, and, and sometimes, uh, you, you know, there will be progressives from coming from, from, sometimes there's been a trend in Western Queens of uh, white candidates accusing their uh, Latina opponents, specifically their Latina progressive opponents, of not being from the community. Um, so we saw that the first time, uh, I saw this firsthand uh, with Jessica Gonzalez Rojas uh, was running for state assembly in Jackson Heights um, against a very conservative incumbent. Um, and one of the other people in the race uh, was someone named Nula Naranjo Odorti, I think. I don't know how to pronounce her full name. Um, but basically she was a former prosecutor kind of trying to seem progressive um, and she basically accused Jessica, outright called her opponent, Gonzalez Rojas, um, who's a Peruvian, called her a carpetbagger, um, which was, you know, a really uh, absurd thing to say because it turned out that Jessica had lived in the district for a longer time than Nula had, which is just like an insane thing to accuse somebody of being a carpetbagger um, in that way, 
even when they live in the district longer than you have. And totally, of course, irrelevant, right? I think nativism is a really terrible way to approach these kind of elections. Um, a lot of folks come here for a lot of different reasons. I think nativism is a really dangerous trend. Um, and it's just even more gross when you're accusing your Latina opponent of not being uh, from, quote unquote, the community, which the, the community is basically at this point, it's become a dog whistle for, you know, the white conservatives and the white uh, voters who've lived there for a very long time. Uh, so in that race, that was the very first time it happened. I, I want to just walk through history for a second. Um, the second time it happened was Tiffany Caban when she was running. Um, and uh, a lot of the supporters of her opponent, not the opponent herself, but the supporters of the opponent um, from the Greek community were basically, you know, saying again, that Tiffany is not from, quote unquote, the community. Tiffany doesn't understand the, the old guard. Um, and again, accusing a Latina of not really being from the area, um, as well as, you know, some of them were outright engaging in outright racism, right? At least one person I remember uh, when the local council member endorsed Tiffany, some people were commenting like, oh, how, how dare you endorse against our, uh, endorse against the Greek. How, endorse a non-Greek, you know, just, just very outright racist and xenophobic attitudes. Um, and, and this idea of, quote unquote, the community being this very exclusive group of people um, and not the diverse community that Western Queens has become. Now, fast forward to this year, and the same thing is happening for a third time, right? And the same exact thing. And it's even more absurd because, again, Kristen is born and raised in Queens her entire life. And anybody born and raised in Queens knows that there isn't a lot of... Um, uh, uh, gatekeeping the neighborhoods and saying like, oh, you're from Elmhurst, but you don't understand the story. Like that, that's kind of absurd to anybody who actually lives in Queens. Um, so, you know, Kristen grew up in Elmhurst right around the corner from Astoria. So it, it, it's, it's always been absurd to hear folks say that, oh, she doesn't understand the community. And again, the community is referring to this very uh, insular group of folks. Um, and again, accusing a white, uh, a, a, white, a white candidate and her supporters accusing a Latina of not really being from the area, even when said candidate in question is from Arizona and Buffalo um, and literally ran in Congress a decade ago in, uh, in Arizona saying that Arizona is my home. And again, I'm not a nativist, so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If, some, if someone wants to come from Arizona and run for office, I have no problem with that. But I think, you know, uh, it's really absurd to accuse your opponent of not really being from the area when they're, they're from Queens and you're not. So that's a long way of getting around to the point where Basically, in this race, uh, Kristen's opponent told her at two different events in person, in a very sarcastic tone of voice, whenever Kristen got to greet her, welcome to Astoria, which is kind of not like the kind of uh, casual thing you say to your opponent, but more like a very pointed accusation that you're not from, quote unquote, the community. Um, and, 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 you know, I think anybody and a lot of folks saw that and resonated with them. Uh, when they saw this accusation when Kristen shared it online and they resonated with that because they've been, a lot of people have had that same kind of attitude. Um, uh, they've seen it with themselves. So I think it's sure. very, if, if, you know, one thing I, I did talk to the cons campaign about this a little bit or, or, or one person from there. And, and they said that this is just something that she says she said to all of the candidates that it wasn't something specific to Kristen. Uh, but it sounds like maybe she took it, she took it the different way. She like that Kristen, that Kristen felt that it was more personal and more targeted at her. Is, would that be accurate? Yeah, and like I think it's just the tone of voice, right? Like it's not, it's not just like you know, like welcome to the story. It's like a very pointed accusation, you know, like saying saying that like you know, it's like you're saying somebody isn't from here, and you're when you're saying it, you know what you're doing. And the fact that it happened twice, and the second time, I believe, was very aggressive the way it was said, and there were some uh, back and forth and things that happened. Um, I'm not, not going to get into too much because I don't have the full details. Um, but the fact that it happened twice, like the first time it was heard, we, we, we were like, oh, my God, it's really gross. 
but you know, let's move on. But the second time it happens, like, okay, this is a pattern. And if we don't say something about it, it's going to keep going. Um, so I, I, I think saying that you say it to, say it to everybody, I think it's trying to cover up for it after the fact. Um, when in reality, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty obvious that this is, it, it was a very pointed, uh, thing to tell somebody sarcastically and a very way to try and isolate somebody who's been grown, grown up and been there uh, her entire life. Sure. So, um, so fast forward now to, I, I think this was yesterday actually, uh, when const, so uh, to give a little bit of context here, uh, apparently Const and her uh, supporters were berated or attacked. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think that they were physically attacked, uh, but they were were certainly uh, yelled at. There's video of this um, uh, that there's this guy, uh, you know, screaming at the campaign office and uh, goes into the campaign office uh, yelling. Uh, he's he's eventually ejected. Uh, de- I definitely don't want to like uh, downplay this, by the way, because you know, like the the uh, the behavior here uh, is certainly unsettling uh, and upsetting. Uh, but Kant's uh, response was to go on to social media and accuse uh, Kristen Gonzalez uh, specifically of kind of. Uh, amping up this attack and being responsible for it. And so I want to read some of what she said, and then, and then I have a little bit more to say on the other end, then we'll go back to Aaron. So she says, uh, Khan says, uh, Gonzalez for New York, your actions have consequences. Your tactics against us have encouraged supporters of yours to threaten, harass, and physically intimidate me, our team, and supporters. We don't feel safe, and it's got to end now. Nobody should be afraid to run, speak out, uh, or campaign. Local business owners supporting me are being verbally harassed by you personally. Authorities had to be called this week after your false allegations led to someone storming our event and physically intimidating us. Uh, Just this morning at the subway, my volunteer organizer and I were verbally harassed and physically threatened by your supporter. Uh, This is bad for democracy. And then a little bit later on, she says, with mass shootings going on, progressive lawmakers' lives being threatened just today, and evidence mounting that many in our government wanted to incite violence on January 6th, we have to stop this. Your team has to calm down and let the campaign go on peacefully. Okay, so a couple things uh, that I just want to say about this. First of all, uh, we, we did invite uh, members, people from the cons campaign to come on uh, to talk about uh, these specific allegations and accusations, which are pretty serious. Uh, they declined to do that. Um, uh, unfortunately, Walker, the comms director, uh, had a prior commitment, as I said at the top of the show, uh, this is not him. This is like we like we asked the campaign to you know to send someone else. Uh, they said no. Um, so, but but I do just want to kind of go through like some of this really quick. Like your tactics against us have encouraged supporters of yours uh, to threaten, harass, etc. Um, again, in this video, I, I I don't see, and maybe maybe I'm just not seeing it or not hearing it, but I don't see or hear any evidence uh, that this person was a supporter of Kant's. Or speaking for the, uh, or a supporter of Gonzalez, sorry, or speaking for the Gonzalez campaign, um, the uh, the 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 allegation again and again. There's this allegation that uh, that this is uh, your supporter. Uh, with authorities had to be called this week after your false allegations led to someone storming our event and physically intimidating us. I asked for uh, proof of that, uh, wasn't able to get that. Uh, uh, I don't know about the local business owner supporting me or being verbally harassed by you personally. 
I would like to actually ask Aaron about that a little bit, like what that's about. Um, you know, whether whether that's like verbal harassment or if that's like asking for endorsements or or maybe something in between. I'm not really sure like where that's coming from. But I think that these are pretty strong allegations. These are pretty strong accusations. And I'm not very clear on where the proof is to, to, to back any of it up. So with that long kind of introduction to uh, this specific uh, incident, I wanted to ask you, Aaron, just about like uh, how, how you guys are kind of responding to this. And, and, um, and if, if uh, I, I guess, first of all, like, was this guy uh, a part of the campaign or somebody like known to you guys, A, and B, about the local business owners being verbally harassed. What about those two specific uh, accusations? Yeah, I'll, I'll do you uh, one of my AirBuds, um, AirPods died, but can you still hear me okay? Yep, yep, you're good. Cool, make me sure. Um, actually, I'll do you one better. I will address the three total allegations made against us um, one by one. Uh, number one, the small business owner. Uh, this has been like a pretty consistent tug of war over a single person who I'm not going to name. Um, but just to kind of summarize, uh, this is a person um, who basically uh, has felt very caught between our two campaigns. Um, and uh, I, I think um, there, I think, you know, uh, no Mickey's made the allegation that this person felt harassed or threatened uh, when Kristen called one time to check in. Um, and we, we did follow up with that person afterwards. And it turns out the person has no problem uh, with Kristen, did not feel threatened in any way. And that is the only person we can think of who could have possibly been the person in question. Um, so I would love to hear more details about who, I don't have enough details about that, of which owner. But I believe that's the only owner you can possibly think of, and that person told us that they did not feel threatened at all. Um, so I think that that, that one I, I don't know enough, and I think it's probably false. Um, second one about this person I think is probably the most laughable one. Uh, we actually did some more digging and investigation around this, and it turns out the person in question is a pretty well-known um, force the vote uh, Theo Chino um, and Yang Gang guy with a YouTube channel. Uh, unfortunately, he seems to have some kind of mental health issues, possibly, um, and kind of just shows up at events. He showed up to AOC's office, did some other things, and kind of just, like, uh, yells and harasses people. Um, literally no overlap with our campaign or our ideas. He really does not like DSA. He, like, really dislikes DSA and everything we stand for. Um, and his politics are very different than ours. He's, like, a big fan of Theo Chino, who is, like, you know, uh, a kind of a a humorous person in local politics. Um, so definitely not serious at all. Um, and I, I'm, I'm seeing the video and, you know, obviously it's not, it's not pretty, it's not good. I'm sorry it happened. I think it's very distressing to see it ever happened into a campaign. But again, to say it's even related to the Christian campaign is, is really, really disingenuous. And I'm really disappointed to see that happen. Um, and the third case, we only got details about this very late last night, I think, about this person at a subway station saying something uh, to Nomiki. Uh, and, and that also turns out that that person also has no connection to the Christine campaign. Apparently they just said they're DSA. Um, and I think it's, I think it's a pretty silly idea to think that in an organization of 95,000 people and thousands in New York city, that anybody endorsed by DSA is accountable for the conduct of all of those people. Um, Cause we don't know who this person is. They have no connection to the campaign. They never said, mentioned Kristen's name or anything about Kristen. Um, and to suggest that anybody who's endorsed by an org is automatically responsible for the conduct of all those members of the org is, is really ridiculous. Um, although it does seem like what happened here is really 
you know, uh, these kind of uh, harassment accusations are always sad to see. And I'm sorry that happened to Nomiki as well. Um, But I I will say, you know, I've experienced that myself, right? Just a couple weeks ago, I was for an assembly candidate for DSA in Brooklyn. I was harassed, yelled at, chased, and recorded out of a poll site by an opponent's volunteer. Um, And of course, that's that's way worse for women to have men do that to them, uh, of course. But definitely me experiencing that uh, as well, I kind of got a sense of what it's like. It does not feel good. Um, but I think when we're making that kind of allegations, you know, first you need to provide evidence, of course, and second of all, you need to actually have like a direct connection to the person you're accusing uh, and holding accountable for. And I think in all of these cases, it's either not true or there is zero connection or like an incredibly loose connection to the Kristen campaign, um, as opposed to what Kristen has said about Nomiki, which is very specific and has not been denied um, by that campaign. Um, so I, I think I think in yeah. this case, these allegations don't hold water at all for us. Sure. And, and I think that, and, and so I just, I also want to say that, you know, I, I know people have been uh, calling in um, and, and have dropped, uh, dropped out of the call queue, but um, phone lines are open. If you guys want to join the conversation, please feel free. Um, uh, just real quick, uh, Aaron, you know, I want to ask, uh, th- this kind of does seem to indicate that the, uh, in, in its last, I think you, well, there's like a month left now, uh, that, that, that things are going to get kind of a little bit nastier. Um, is is that your feeling that you're going to be kind of uh, playing this kind of it'd be a little more of a dirty politic game, or or do you think that uh, maybe this is just a little blip, and then after that we'll we'll, we'll go to Edu, who's waiting in the in the call queue. Yeah, it's really worrying, and honestly, you know, I think I've been guilty of kind of getting involved in this back and forth because I thought it was important, but now I'm just like really exhausted by it. I'm really exhausted by the back and forth. And I know if I'm exhausted by it, voters are exhausted by it. Um, and, and, and there was just, I was just reading during this call, like just a few minutes ago, a local press article dropped about the whole situation and it's just nasty accusations and allegations. Uh, and, and it's just like really, you know, it's just tiring. It's tiresome to hear this over and over again and not talk about the actual issues that I've been talking about, the coalition we've built, the endorsements we have, who we're working with, organizing. That's what matters. Not these like very vague Bernie bro narrative style your 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 some of your people who I say are supporters but aren't really are saying rude things to me or doing rude things like that's not what people care about people care about actually going to materially affect their lives and it's just really tiring to keep doing this and I'm hoping we can just move past this um, unfortunately there's also been a lot of harassment of Kristen from a lot of uh, supporters um, we haven't talked about it because you know we, you don't, we, we don't believe that supporters are necessarily indicative of the candidate but you know Kristen has been smeared in a lot of ways a lot of lies have been spread about her that she lives in manhattan that she's a banker that she's an executive at a bank like a lot of just like really absurd smears that have no basis in reality and people are just somebody claimed uh, that she that she was um uh that she was working for obama in 2018 like just like totally ridiculous things that have been going around and unfortunately all of this helps crowley all of this helps crowley get elected um, and it needs to stop now because Kristen is the only candidate who can beat Crowley, who can win and bring progressive change to the district. And we're really going to just move forward from here and try and put all this nonsense and drama aside. So I'm hoping that this helps. Um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, I hope this, this puts the truth out there so we can move on. Got it. Got it. Okay. So uh, let's, let's take Edu. And I, I just want to say that, you know, I know this is kind of like a, a, a a, a topic that can kind of uh, get people's emotions going. So let's let's all try and keep it relatively chill and and uh, keep any comments 
uh, to about a minute, minute and a half. All right, Edju, uh, go ahead. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Is that is that how I pronounce your name? Unmute button is down there. Yes, sorry. It's I mean, it, uh, with the Spanish accent, you say Edu. It's like a, ooh. Edu. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, thank you for organizing this uh, calling. I've been following this um, local race, um, and uh, I was just amazed by like how like low like uh, Nomik is bringing down this race because initially, you know, like um, there was already the intention of Christian Gonzalez running it in this this district, but she still wanted to go after this, and her main thing was like that she's not dividing the vote uh, in that district, and in fact that's what she's doing by like you know, um, setting the tone of this race um, by bringing like both sides of, 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 of the campaign down. Um, and, you know, like she started also blocking people from BSA. Um, she's only going to places where she gets like these softballs interviews where they don't ask her about her support for the war in Libya. You know, that's, and, uh, you know, it's like, people are saying like oh no like you know that's foreign policy and that doesn't have to do with local issues but no that's not the issue state that's part of like the character and her ethics you know regarding certain issues um she's saying that like, she's gonna take down the you know these uh corporations that like hold massive like uh influence over housing um but then she's not supporting medicare for all you know she's not like forcing the vote on medicare for all so like there's this dissonance here. Um, and so for me, when I see this, it's part of like the same script. And I don't understand why people, like some of the people like Walker are falling for this, you know? I mean, she's like yeah. signing out on the, on the, um, uh, sorry, on the COVID response. And I guess that's her main talking point there. Just like one last thing. Um, I think like, let's use this space also for Aaron to update us on what's happening tomorrow night, because a lot of people are like, are off and, you know, we have free time to go on and, and support like Christian Gonzalez um, campaign. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Edu. Uh, yeah. Aaron, you want to, um, w uh, would you like to uh, talk about what's happening um, tomorrow night? I, 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 I'm not, I'm not familiar. Obviously, I don't, I'm not in New York, so I wouldn't know, but um uh, and and thanks, I, you know, I, I do think that there are a lot of uh, issues at play here. Um, you know, I, I, I do think, though, just just to be fair, just to be fair, I think that a lot of times, like uh, supporters of different candidates, can can often feel that the other candidate is the one uh, bringing down uh, the like the tone of the discourse. So, just to be fair, I think that that is that, that that's a pretty standard complaint. Um, when, when you're in a, you know, primary or, or, or an election, uh, you know, whether or not it's true or not is, is, is a separate thing, but I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty standard thing. So, uh, so thanks for the call. So Aaron, do you want to talk about what's, what's going on, uh, uh tomorrow night? I think is that tomorrow night? Yeah. I mean, thank you, Eddie. That was amazing to hear, uh, to agree with a lot of what you said. Um, and tomorrow night, I'm not sure about anything in particular, but I can say that tomorrow we have two different canvases. We have multiple canvases every day. Um, so we will be knocking doors tomorrow night, 6 PM in both Manhattan and Astoria. If you want, uh, it will be one in Astoria will be around the bill public renewables act. The one I talked about earlier about getting to hundred percent renewable energy by 2030. Um, really important with our eco-socialist working group. Uh, a lot of folks are going to be canvassing both those locations. Um, if you want to sign up for either of those events or more events, we literally have events every day until Election Day. Um, so you can go to gonzalezfornewyork.com slash events. So Gonzalez, F-O-R, 
ny.com slash events and feel free to sign up for as many events as you like. Um, we'd love to see you on the doors because um, our district is beautiful and we have a lot of doors to hit uh, and we're happy to have knocked 30,000 already. Happy to knock another 30,000. Great. All right. Uh, let's take Alex here. Um, Alex, go ahead. Hey there. Um, can you hear me? Yep. You're all set. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, uh, like briefly mention, um, I guess like I, for the people that aren't following this as closely, um, the big thing for me, it was just, um, that DSA is working, especially in New York on, on a strategy that is capable of dealing with these like big time power players in the democratic party that are keeping everybody out. And so this is bigger than like one campaign that somebody just wanted to run in or whatever. It's really about a strategy and like, whose side are you on? And as I've kind of been like, <laughs> um, arguing with some of her team about this stuff, like, um, I've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of comments about like, I'm in DSA and I've gotten a lot of comments about how, uh, you know, like just like cheap shots, that DSA is all white and that they're racist. And then like Tanvir Chowdhury, who like apparently works on her campaign, called her a socialist princess yesterday called her a pick me um, the other day, which is super misogynistic. But like, I, like a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing from her campaign is like very anti-DSA. And she's supposed to be a member. So I find that really weird. But like, it, like there's a, I, it feels like there's like an antipathy um, towards our org that's like being kind of enacted through this campaign, which is really problematic. And the main thing is not like that anybody can be coronated. It's that there is a strategy here. And the idea that you would, for example, like, like partner with Crowley to like agree to like be nice to the establishment in your campaign is just so that like you could later be yelled at by like the establishment candidate um, for not being nice enough is absurd when these are this is the same group of people that smear people as like uh, sleeping with their students, homophobic smears, you know, like all this stuff that they do to try to keep progressives out of the race and you know you to to be like no we're not going to be too mean to you it's like why would you do that they will burn down your house to win like they don't care so like my bigger issue with this entire thing is that it seems like a like a larger attack on dsa as a whole and on a strategy that that people are working so hard on and really building and there is a difference between a progressive and a socialist it's an ideological difference right and you know i think the worst thing that could happen from the bernie momentum would be for somebody like ro Khanna, who's explicitly not a socialist just like a mushy progressive to take that you know, to take that over. I think, you know, it's important for yeah. what we are trying to do as an organization. So that's all Certain, I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, de yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Um, you know, I think, I think that is certainly, uh, something that, uh, has been, has been said about, uh, this race and about cons jumping into it, that, that, uh, this kind of accusation of, uh, running a kind of anti-left campaign. I think that, uh, certainly Aaron, Touched on that a little bit, I think, by saying that it only helps Crowley, uh, by by kind of splitting the vote. Um, it, what Alex is saying is maybe a little bit more of an explicit, uh, you know, like this is this is maybe a, a more of an explicit uh, attack on DSA. Um, you know, I'd like, I'd like I like I don't really have a judgment on that. I don't know if you do, Aaron, but um, I you know ultimately I think one of the questions that people can ask themselves is like 
whether or not it matters about intent, whether or not intent matters. Um, I'm not making a judgment on that either way, uh, but I think that that is maybe a more interesting question. What do you think, Aaron, about what, what Alice is saying here about, about kind of DSA and, and this maybe kind of progressive split? Yeah, I mean, good to hear from you, Alex, as always. Um, I, I think as the campaign has continued and people have kind of fallen into their camps, um, it's become more clear that, you know, and just to be clear, I'm speaking as for myself here and not for the campaign, just with my own individual capacity, this whole interview, just so we're clear. Um, but I think that it's been clear that, you know, Mickey's base is not the left in this district because Kristen has already consolidated the left. And I think at this point, Nomiki's base, she's been very explicit about this, has been um, older Greek voters, um, maybe, maybe, li- maybe some liberals who don't like DSA, and uh, I would say small business owners and other members of petite bourgeoisie. You know, so I think she's been very explicit about that. And I think she's definitely trended to the right um, as the campaign has continued on. Um, and her base is not the left. And, I, I, and at this point, I don't, I think, of, I think there's less, there's not really going to be a vote split at this point, which I was originally afraid of. At this point, I think that if anything, um, uh, a candidate like that will take votes uh, from the right. Um, just because of the way it's been being run. Um, and I think another part of this, too, about being anti-left, I think is very interesting. We saw it in the last couple of days where you can see that a lot of the other campaigns, they understand that Kristen is the front runner and they're, they're kind of coordinating, right? So, you know, uh, there was this tweet of Crowley um, saying, I stand with Nomiki. Um, this other candidate, Francois, who is like a well-known Joe Lentil alkalite, who's the person that Emily Gallagher beat, um, and is genuinely not looked on about Perrin very well, they're, they're kind of coordinating their efforts um, to kind of smear Kristen in this way. Uh, I, th- I think it's very apparent what's going on here. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say that, you know, Nomiki is a Crowley op or anything, but I think, I think at this point, it's definitely benefiting Crowley. It's definitely helping, helping her in this way. Um, so I, I'm not, not as much scared of a vote split at this point. I'm more worried that this kind of coordination, you know, it's kind of what happened to Bernie, right? You know, you have everybody coordinate the last second to stop a can- to try and stop a candidate, um, as well as, you know, remarking, oh, this candidate supporters are so whatever that we need to do this, when in reality, there's no evidence for any of that. And it's just a bunch of uh, smears and false allegations. So I think it's very similar in a lot of ways to what happened to Bernie. Yeah, except, I saw that, a lot except of that. that we're going to win. Yeah. Except that we're going to win. Just to be clear, <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I did see a lot of that um, uh, coming out yesterday, especially from your camp. Kind of like, you know, this this reminds me of you know how how they went after uh, Bernie. Like, this is n- not me saying this, but you know, other people saying you know that this is this this reminded people of how uh, the Democrats went after Bernie. Uh, during the 2020 primary, I mean, this is kind of what happens uh, when you when you uh, become the front runner. Uh, they, you know, the the others start to work together to try and uh, pull you down. But you know, with about a month to go, I mean, this is kind of like does it's starting to feel like uh, again from the outside looking in, but like this is kind of like a hail mary moment. Like they're trying to do it now because there's a real like in politics, you know, you really got to like. If you want to have these attacks stick, it really helps if you can get them to stick now, as opposed to like you know, like like last week before uh, the election, you might be able to sway a few people, but you're not going to yeah. be able to sway like everybody. So um, it does seem like there is that kind of an attack going on. Um, and 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 again, this isn't to take anything away from you know the the 
feeling the real feelings of being upset and the real feelings of of maybe feeling uh uh intimidated and and threatened um not maybe actually feeling intimidated and threatened uh that people in the cons campaign may may have felt uh but um again i think and i think we've kind of covered this already but um these these accusations don't line up uh with with what we've seen so far and so it is kind of difficult to to take them uh in good faith at this point so um and i would love to hear about this kind of real quick i'd love to hear like an amici supporter somebody on the campaign come on here and talk about why these allegations do hold water but i i i think it's the most telling thing to me is that they're they, no but everybody refused to come on but i feel like there are many people who could have come on but chose not to yeah, yeah, I think I think that you know that was pretty that was pretty disappointing for me as well. You know, this isn't like um, and and again, I just want to say you know it's not like uh, I I invited them on like just cold and they they said no because why would they come on my show? It's like no, like they did come on before and now they didn't come on this time. So it's it's and and specifically, I wanted them to come on and kind of address this stuff because I think this is a, like just a really serious accusation allegation to make. Um, especially when it's when it's such a, a heated uh, primer. But I think we're just about out of time, Aaron. Aaron, are you you want to give like a little sign off here? Tell people where they can find you and and maybe uh, uh, talk a little bit more about the campaign as as we go into the final four weeks here. Yeah, you know, I, I think thank everybody for listening in um, and calling in. Uh, I think at this point we're all really exhausted by this campaign drama, ready to move on. You know, Twitter is fun for a little bit, but we, we got to move along. Um, I think we have a month to go. We have a lot of work to do. We've already done a lot of work with this huge coalition. It's only going to get bigger. We're only going to get 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 more um, uh, more serious as the final weeks go on. But if you want to help out and help us win and uh, take this home, uh, you can contribute at gonzalezfornewyork.com/donate. Um, that's Gonzalez uh, F-O-R-N-Y.com/donate. Uh, feel free to give as much as you're able to. Um, if you want to help knock doors, make calls wherever you are, whether you're in the country, out the country, in New York, out of New York, you can make calls, uh, tables, knock, um, knock doors, whatever you're able to do. We're having a bike canvas today in a story, which is a lot of fun. We're going to like bike around and, and talk about Kristen, which is it's exciting. Um, you can go to Gonzalez for New York, um, gonzalezforny.com slash events and sign up for as many as you'd like. Um, of course, our website has information on there on endorsements, who Kristen is, why we're running this race. Um, I hope folks get involved and hope folks join DSA and help build our movement. Great. All right. Well, thanks, Aaron. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Thanks, Edu and Alex, for calling in. Uh, just a little housekeeping on my end. If you're listening to this on the app, live or on replay, uh, please be sure to follow, subscribe, etc. If you're listening via syndication on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, uh, do all the similar like, etc. stuff uh, on there. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much, and we will see you next week.